0: hello, gentlemen, this is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. I am Jack Fowler, the host, our star, our namesake, Victor Davis Hanson is the Martin and Ely Anderson Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Busky Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College, where Victor is actually right now sitting and talking to me and he'll be there for a whole week doing his Victor thing at the uh, at that great institution. A lot to talk about policy wise things. California, Jordan Peterson having to get some some social media training dictated by the Canadian Psychiatric Association is just crazy. Uh, some other um, maybe we'll get into some censorship censorship stuff. And uh, be, uh, before we get into uh, let's let's start off with Jordan Peterson. We, we're going to hear an important message, but we're also going to hear about Victor's Victor's travel. So we'll get to all that right after these important messages. Have you heard of cancer fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and veggies may actually lower, lower your risk of cancer. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. If not, you should consider adding field of greens your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is found in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. Will Field of Greens prevent, treat, or cure cancer? No, but it's so powerful it promises at your next checkup Your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. I got you 15% off and free rush shipping. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code VICTOR, V-I-C-T-O-R, for your discount. That's promo code VICTOR at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com.
1: Okay, it's time to commit. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com.
0: Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. I know our producers don't like to do this, Victor, but I have to give dates. But this particular podcast is supposed to be up and out there on the Internet on the 5th, which would be your 70th birthday. Correct? Jack, I
2: you're right. I am going to be 70. I'm sorry. I gave the year. But I'm suffering (laughs) from long COVID euphoria. So I feel 50.
0: Okay, Is that minimized, though, by uh, long distance travel? Yes, it is. I had to travel here, Um, but I'm feeling much better. and,
2: And we can talk about the U.S. airline industry if you wish. I've made a lot of public comments about it. But um, I think but I think I, mean, um, I didn't I think, think I'd make 70 at one point in my life when I had a ruptured appendix in Libya. And yeah, I did.
0: Yeah. Um, you've you've talked to us about that dramatic surgery. Not, and, uh, uh, and and of course, the last the most recent podcast you did with Sammy, you gave an accounting of of your immediate family members. And their well, many have died young. But, yeah, you uh, I've never you, figured that out about
2: why they all died, whether it was because of pesticides or just growing up. but, yeah, it was very strange that my sister in law died at fifty, her sister died at as i said fifty two my daughter died at twenty six my aunt died at forty nine my other aunt died at sixty my mother died early, and they all grew up on a farm yeah
0: well, we're you know, happy you're we're happy and blessed for what God gives us, but that you're here, Victor, for seventy years, and hopefully many more. And uh, we'll let our listeners in on a little something. You say that after you've seen Joe Biden, you say, oh, you hope I have many more years. Uh, well, Do we really um, want to go there? <laughs> true, true enough. Although Henry Kissinger is 100 and he's still. I just like saw it. I'm interrupting
2: you, but I just saw Mick Jagger at 80 and they had him juxtaposed to Joe Biden. And the caption said, see what sex, drugs, and alcohol can do for
0: you. <laughs> do you know Biden, the headlines in today's paper, He like 40% of his presidency has been on vacation.
2: So yeah, it is 40%. He has not been in the office. Thank God. Yeah, well,
0: that's well, let's um, by the way, Victor, then early here in real time, but as on internet time, very happy birthday. And uh, we had, we had, uh, you had one of, your uh, listener fans actually write a song about the sage of Selma as a birthday gift. And sent, very I nice don't know if you got a chance to.
2: I did, yeah, yeah, I lived this until he wrote a birthday song, and it was very nice.
0: Yeah, I Yeah. appreciate that. Well, Victor, here's the headline. Uh, we'll get to your air travel later in the, in this episode. It's about Jordan Peterson. Uh, Jordan Peterson says he will move to broadcast mandated social media training. And this is uh, from The Daily Wire. Let me just read the first uh, two sentences. Mandated here.
2: social training? For-
0: yeah. Well, Dr. Jordan Peterson said that he will move to broadcast publicly the social media training he was ordered to undergo by a psychologist governing body that targeted Peterson for criticizing transgender ideology, climate alarmism and the Canadian government. Peterson told Fox News Jesse Waters last week that he hoped to film or audio record all sessions of the court upheld social media training last week, the Ontario Superior Court of Justice ruled that the College of Psychologists of Ontario could mandate Peterson to go through a so-called quote, specified continuing education or remedial program, end quote. And Victor, we think we got to have it bad here. Maybe we do. I think we do. But dang. North well, we the had border, an American
2: Revolution, Jack, and Canada didn't. So Canada, Canada never had a Bill of Rights. And so they always lecture us on their European progressivism. But the fact is, for all our rally-ness, America a lot freer country than Canada. Jordan Peterson, I mean, they hate his guts. For what? Because he doesn't play what they want to. So they're now going to make him go through mandatory training. You know, the asymmetry is what's really interesting. They, they always have people go through training or counseling, but they never, they never do for other people. And it's always asymmetric. What do I mean by that? I mean, if someone gets someone gets on the, a media platform and says white supremacy or white privilege without any data and collectivizes an entire group, that's fine. But if you 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 say uh, it of other groups and suddenly it's stereotyping, blah blah blah. But they hate him because he's well known and he's making money and he's prominent and. They're like little little, little Lilliputians trying to rope Gulliver to the ground, I guess. I've done, you know, a a podcast with him. I like him, but uh, he's very outspoken, and uh, they're going to continue to do this the rest of his life. Just a fact of life.
0: They, Yeah, yeah, uh, Victor, I have a feeling if... This You were in Canada. You'd be going through the
2: same thing. One of the things he was charged well, they, with. They drove Mark Stein out. I mean, they went after Mark Stein. Yeah. The only di- difference is there that we call it the takeover of the administrative or the dark state. Right. But they don't. It's uh, it's not controversial there. That The state is the media. The state is everything. Right. So there's no conspiratorial conspiratorial aspect to it
0: well if you were a canadian victor and you're writing a book on civil you've written a book essentially on collapse of civilizations uh if i i, I think that's a broad brush uh, that's one of the reasons he has to undergo training because he on some podcasts he talked about uh, radical gender theory being a sign of civilizational decline collapse i mean know. that was
2: the mortal sin he said that mandatory gender counseling, which is happening in the United States. And I know that my granddaughter, I won't mention the situation she was in, but one of the reasons her family has moved is that in the public schools, young girls, and she's 13, were advised about transitioning as an option. So what we did is we took something that scientifically was documented. And as I said, it goes... You know, Havelock Ellis in the 19th century wrote about early 20th century. It's a very rare phenomenon. It's 0.002 of one percent. And then if you look at a graph, Jack, it goes up to two percent, five percent. And then you in you get into the realm of the ridiculous of the surreal where people at Brown University are suggesting 30 to 40 percent might want to transition. So it's a mass hula hoop, pet rock phenomenon. And nobody has the guts to say that. And it does a lot of destructive damage. We we took 50 years of trying to get parity for women. And then we let these biological males destroy all their records. Or we have the left has always told us they wanted to protect the quote unquote the children. And we let biological males go into blocker rooms for young girls. Or we unleash sexual predators in the prisons. And it's all under the veneer of progressivism and you don't dare say anything so that's why they're going after jordan peterson he said something but you know what he did though that was really interesting when he said it was a sign of civilizational decline right i don't know if he's read petronius the satiricon but that is one theme in there cross-dressing sexual ambiguity uh male of being a feminine defeat right and uh you, you, there's a scene in that novel, and it was written about 60 A.D. during the, the reign of the Emperor Nero, probably as a caricature of the imperial decadence. But they meet a soldier in the street and they start making fun of him. You know, a big soldier is kind of a policeman. And so most of the the, the story is the wandering of three people who are sexually ambiguous. They have all this ambiguity, but they also, one of them, Gaeton, is not sure whether he's male or female. And uh, when Fellini made a version of the, the novel, it wasn't a very good one, I think. He actually accentuated that with a hermaphrodite, one of the figures uh, that was central. But that, if you go back to classical signs of decadence in a society, what is it? There's a, you just check check off about five things, infertility or lack of child, you know, fertility. Right. So the families go from five to four to three to two to one. That's one
0: no investment in the future no investment
2: in the future and and Mm -hmm. more time for the satisfaction of the the adult appetites rather than investing in child rearing that's one and two is it's always listed whether we like it or not it's sexual ambiguity and uh i don't know quite why that is but the it's mostly the male blending in with the female if you look at literature like Ovid, it, there's an attraction of women, of men in the gladiatorial right. uh, arena. They all say, you know, I'd like to get filthy dirty with this gladiator and, But that itself is a reflection that the men of their own class are experimenting with different types of sexuality, and that's right. a sign of decadence. And the third, of course, is uh, nonsensical spending of money. So particular foods or particular dress or gold plating quail eggs, stuff like that to eat. Right. And that that's another one. And then the the fourth is gratuitous violence in in the arena. Plenty has a, a great letter about just the slaughter of elephants and, and lions in the Colosseum for no reason. And it repulsed him. Cicero even said that about a hundred years earlier. So
0: that was that just the, just the, the hacking them to pieces was. A yeah, entertainment? it was. At the
2: end of the show, they would hack the animals, the elephants tusk off or the head trunk off. It was disgusting, uh, uh, kind of like our video game. Yeah. And then <sighs> pornography. People say, well, the woman didn't really have pornography. Well, because they didn't have the visual, you know, they did. And what their version of it was, they would get slaves and have them demonstrate these pornographic acts on a stage at private parties instead of showing, you know, blue movies. So, and that, those were all chronicled by, uh, you know, Suetonius, the 12 Caesars, Petronius, the Satyricon, Tacitus' Annals, Plutarch's Lives. And so what Jordan Peterson is doing when he's talking about civilizational decline, he mentions transgenderism and the pronouns and all this. He's just channeling a long tradition of criticism And the funny thing is, we think that we're so modern, sophisticated here. The Canadian government's going to go make him be re-education camp. And nobody did that in moment time. Right. They were free. Obviously, they didn't because we read what they wrote
0: about it. That's um, that's Lenin's gift to uh, to modernity, the re-education. And and I I have no figures, Victor. You go get re-educated in Soviet Russia Communist China, you Malice. may come out, you may come out, but then you may still be killed also at, at yeah, the end of the end of 1984. funny. He's going to be reeducated, but he's still going to be off.
2: Well, the left, isn't it funny that they adopted all of the things from the Maoist revolution? Because look at loyalty oaths. That was 1952, 53, 54. The University of California required a loyalty oath. Have you or not been a communist? And there were communists in the State Department. So there was some rationale to it, especially after the Rosenbergs, et cetera. But a great classicist, M.I. Finley, I think it's very obscure, but he left Cornell University and went to Cambridge, partly because he didn't want to take a loyalty oath. But now if you're at a university, you have to, when you apply to college, express how are you how are you committed to diversity equity inclusion? what have you done and then a professor has to periodically for review write what how to describe their commitment to it and, and worse yet every job applicant has to do that and are al so they're McCarthyites and uh, they're adopting all the things that their grandparents used to say they were against right but it kind of makes sense at the left, you know, if it always if it paid better, they'd always be fascist. And now it pays better. So they are fascist overtly.
0: Well, Victor, um, we have some other topics to talk about. Uh, I think we should make a little mention of of some positive news on uh, the energy have have positive news. Well, we have. Well, let's I'm going to steal a steal a page from Sammy uh, about nuclear power. And then but we're going to back into some depressing news <laughs> about California. That'll seg one positive will segue to negative. We'll get to that, Victor, right after uh, these important messages.
1: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax-certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive. And start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax. The way car buying should be. Delve into the shadows of the mind with sleeping dogs. A gripping murder mystery
0: We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson show. So, Victor, I think it's maybe just worth noting. But I was uh, having breakfast the other morning, flipping the channels. Sometimes I put that squawk box on CNBC. It doesn't seem to be very political, so it's uh, you know a safe haven. I don't have a clue what they're talking about with you know like, uh, quantitative easing and all that jazz. But uh, that morning, the the uh, CEO, or chairman, president of the Southern Company, the, the big Southern power company, was on and talking about the, that uh, it had approved, got approval, and was moving ahead for the uh, opening of two new nuclear power plants. The first time uh, in thirty in thirty years that America uh, has opened new plants, which busily shutting existing ones. So. I think that's um, a positive thing to to note. Um, maybe it's you know three steps backwards and one step forward, but it's it's still a little good news on on energy. But well, me, you can comment on that. But but I want to get to Gavin Newsom what he's doing in California related energy. Go ahead if you want to say anything.
2: But well, Herb Stein said, "What can't go on won't go on." Yeah, that old uh, right Nixon official, Ben Stein's father, and what he meant. And this context was. If you're in California and you're dismantling the nuclear plants and they they were going to do Diablo Canyon and they said, wait a minute, that's a million customers. So they gave it three or four more years, but they've dismantled every other nuclear plant. And then you've got all of this natural gas and oil, the fourth largest uh, deposits in the United States, and you're not going to build new natural gas plants. So then you're going to make these huge solar farms, which destroy the landscape. They really do. I drive to work three hours. And you should see what they've done to the west side of uh, California. They're, they're huge. I don't mean an acre or two, hundreds of acres.
0: It is, yeah.
2: And they're producing more uh, power now along with the rooftop than they need during the day. But they can't store it. And nobody else needs it. So then at night, they don't have any, and they import the coal-fired, nuclear-fired energy from other states like Nevada Utah, Arizona. Now they import natural gas from Alaska or oil from Saudi Arabia. And the idea is that we don't want any of these, these dirty fuels, but we want to use them. We want to use this it's kind of like Joe Biden. I will not uh, be energy ins. I will not be energy sufficient, but I want the dirty Saudis and the dirty Venezuelans and the dirty Iranians and the dirty Russians to give us the dirty oil so we can win the midterm. Yeah, and that's that's what. So, so we don't have any energy at night. We have to import it. We have too much during the day. So if they're going to try to build a nuclear plant, it would be welcome. We mentioned I don't want to mention it too much again, but there's four dams on the Klamath River, and. They they provide clean hydro for four, uh, eighty thousand households. They they offer flood control, which is good in the winter, and storage in the summer for irrigation and water and recreation. There's homes built on, and we're going to destroy all four of them. They're they're taking they're taking five hundred million dollars to blow them up, and they're taking it out of a water construction bond, at least in part. And that's mm-hmm. what Gavin Newsom is doing, and yeah. so
0: think so the the rationale for that and I know we, again you mentioned we talked about it before but the rationale in in part for some of these things I guess is salmon runs but it's returning things to nature right like that's yeah the, it's returning it's think
2: of the logic we're going to turn California back the way it was when these awful ancestors of ours came here in the 1850s and 60s. And we want to go primitive. We want to be pre-civilizational when we had salmon runs to the Sierra and all these mythological utopian um, images of the state. But we have 41 million people. And unfortunately for them, they don't all live in Silicon Valley. So what they've done is these people who are very, very wealthy, who have enclaves, their kids are protected, they're protected. They've mandated, you know, we're going to get rid of natural gas stove cap. You can't buy a diesel pickup pretty soon. You can't have a diesel semi within 10 years. You can't do this, you can't do this. But then they had an open border. Right. So we have over 10 million people who came illegally and they're second and third generation now and they're very they're trying to become middle class. And they're paying $550 a gallon for gas and $6 a gallon for diesel fuel. And as I said earlier, You go into Selma uh, to a Walmart, which I do, at 108 degrees, and who's in there? Are they buying things? No, they're in there for the free air conditioning, sitting there, sitting there in the afternoon, letting their kids play. And then when you go to fill up in my hometown, it's it's a long process because nobody flips out a credit card and puts it in, just drives off. Because right. if you have a 25-gallon tank and it's $5, 120, $125, if you have a 30-gallon diesel tank, and I have a diesel pickup I just filled up not too long ago, it was $180 to fill up. Wow. And so wow. what happens is people in the line, they go in and pay Here's twenty. Here's thirty. Tell me, and they they parcel it out because they don't have enough money. So then the whole line backs up because everybody's got to go in, and they just can't put the, use the machine. I'd say eight out of ten people pay cash because the cash is four cents cheaper a gallon, and they don't have the money on their credit card to do that. Right. And yet this was dreamed up by somebody like Tom Steyer, right? The guy with the big Tahoe mansion that Joe Biden was vacationing at who made mistake. his fortune, remember he made his fortune in Indonesian coal plant. Right. And then he's doing penance at our expense. <laughs> no hey, offense, cold, Jack, but it's a Catholic concept. He's <laughs> doing penance and exemptions and indulgences at our expense.
0: Okay, Victor. Okay, you got that sorry. in. Okay, it's okay. <laughs> well, uh, but you know, interesting, you just you're know, mentioning solar farms, uh, and so we could blow these blow these dams up for nature. Meanwhile, over here with nature, we'll pervert it with these ghastly solar f- farms, which material costs more than
2: makes uh, China and, uh, the, yeah makes China, China right.
0: yeah. and these wind farms that these queasing you know, arts in the sky chopping up uh, bald eagles and, and other birds uh, bats it's uh, so why is that not natural? I right? mean there has to be
2: there has to be some central overriding principle to all this that yeah,
0: it's hatred of people
2: <laughs> yeah I mean if you, the solar wind were these people in their great vast chart of intersectionality, they know i don't know we've talked about that but i guess solar and wind trump uh race or gender but yeah. they can do anything they can do, or it, it, it trumps green energy trumps environmentalism because they slaughter you know red tail hawks or golden eagles in the wind machine and well, you, whales you know, and whales and then, yeah, yeah the sonar yeah, is, yeah. when they, disrupts their net their natural navigation system And so that disrupts it. And then when you look at all of what they they always are against teachers unions, uh, charter schools, uh, homeschooling. And yet when you look around Stanford University, all of their kids are at, um, you know, Sacred Heart, Castilea, the Harker School, the Menlo School, which is fine. But then why do they? Dictate for everybody else what type of school they go go to. They all want high kilowattage, thirty cents a kilowatt. And where do they live? They live right along the coastal corridor, where the the temperature. I have an office in the Hoover. I've never uh, tower. I've never turned on, as I've said, the air conditioning or the heating. And yet, the policies that emanate out of that zip code. Ripple out to places like Bakersfield or Madeira or Reedley where people have to they can't live under those policies. It's too right. expensive to turn the heater on or the air conditioner in extremes of heat. So a lot of this is a lot of this uh, ideology that transcends or or nullifies reality is based on the ability of these people to be shielded from the consequences of their own ideology. And that's really at the heart of this whole political debate we're having left, right, that we have a little group of left-wing Jacobins who under globalization got very, very wealthy. And they had this utopian idea, but it was really based on the fact that it was never going to affect them. And every time it affects them, you get some Forced admission, like a John Kerry saying, "I have to have my Gulfstream because I have to get to summits on green energy quicker or more." Mm-hmm. more. He, he says that, and or you you get someone like Al Gore saying, "I need you know ten thousand square feet, or I need a seven thousand amp panel because I'm so much." I'm so valuable for the movements, just what Lennon and every man on the left. So, yeah. Oh, Lori Lightfoot getting her hair cut, you know, I forgot about Lori Lightfoot (laughs) getting her hair cut to violate all the masks because she said people expect me to be presentable. And Gavin Newsom had to eat at the French laundry without a mask because his lobbyists were there for health care. And the same thing with London Breed had to do it. Nancy Pelosi had to sneak around. Even Diane Feinstein needed a Chinese spy for 20 years, didn't she?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, we won't talk about Fang Fang this time. I've had, but we've always
2: had the Fang Fang. She came to my office and I was oh, like, here we the go. Audience, I'm not going to repeat the story, but I am. <laughs> okay. The funny thing about it was she came in and I can't emulate the. the it sounds condescending, but she had a very thick Chinese accent. As if she but she actually I think went to, she said to Cal State hey when I said, you know, it's not gonna work, Miss Fang Fang. And uh there's somebody here, and she's she breaks into Valley Girl Cal State. Hey man, like don't don't do that sh with me, man. Like I know what you're <laughs> doing, okay? <laughs> uh, it's, uh... So I was thinking of Eric Swalwell when after I had met her, and I thought wow, only an idiot with I mean, a genuine certified idiot would fall for this get up, tight pants, boots to her knees, yeah. sunglasses, well. the whole thing. And then I thought,
0: who would fall? For? Eric Swalwell qualifies. Right. Yeah. Anyone yeah, with the happy ending. So, yeah. <laughs> well, Victor, let's, let's continue down the dark road in, in California. So I mentioned earlier uh, about, well, I, try, I, 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 I'm going to speak still, on
2: California Jack on September 6th
0: at oh, Hillsdale. At Hillsdale, okay. Well, maybe this you can work
2: this into your your talk. I'm trying not, not, not to be too negative because uh, my daughter <laughs> listened to one of her first podcasts and she said, "Oh my God, you sound like Eeyore again. You're de- you're doom and gloom. Well, like uh I'm trying to help you, Dad, and you just
0: you're just not. Don't be so know, maybe, maybe It's like le- ecclesiastes to every season and this Isn't may every be the season, season you right. you know so yes. uh
2: but here's another Eeyore. i'm supposed to be Eeyore. neville chamberlain and say there's no danger to the right. east in germany <laughs> <laughs> uh, stanley baldwin who would ever think we need spitfire that's a waste of money yeah er hitler has told me that he wouldn't attack
0: i it this piece of paper he signed it you know i uh <laughs> all right there is a fellow Eeyore at hoover I didn't know that he came into it being in York. I, I traipsed over this on, this on the Hoover website the other day. California on your mind. I did not know there was such a section. Yes. But it's um, kind of this effort seems to be spearheaded by your uh, fellow fellow, uh, Leo Hanian. And you can talk about him in a sec. But here's the title of this big piece he's just written. And you'll find it, listeners, on the Hoover website. California on your mind. I once thought California would fix itself. I... <laughs> Was wrong. And here's how he began this piece. For the last five years, my Hoover colleague Bill Whalen and I have written about the economics of California, its state policies, and its state politics. Before I began writing California on your mind, I knew that some California economic policies were poorly designed and creating significant waste and dysfunction. But it wasn't until after I began studying these issues in detail that I found out just how badly California is politically managed. The problems are so numerous, so glaring, and so costly that I thought California politicians would self-correct. I was wrong." Victor, this piece is really, well, you know these details. I know Leon, Southside. he's
2: very good. He's one of our best Hoover scholars. And so yeah. when he, and he's very data orientated. So right. when he concludes there's no hope for California, at least politically, he should be listened to. But politics is an ancient word, you know, it comes from the word polis, the city state. And by definition, it reflects two different points of view coming into conflict. Well, We don't have that. So we and I don't mean that just as an exaggeration flip off, but look at California has super majorities in the House, uh, the Assembly and a supermajority or veto proof. That's a veto proof synonym in the state Senate. It has no statewide elected officer that is Republican. There's not anybody secretary of state, attorney general, lieutenant governor. No, no, no. We've had now 12 straight years. Jerry Brown into Gavin Newsom, and we're, he's going to, we're going to have 16 of them. I don't think that Arnold Schwarzenegger qualifies as a Republican. You add him in, and you'll have 24 straight years as governor. I think we've up to 12 of 52 congressional seats are Republican 12. So there is no politics is what I'm trying to say. It's a one-party state. And that's what he sees, and the question is, why is it a one-party state when it elected successively Ronald Reagan, George Duke, Mason, Pete Wilson? And the answer is demographics, that what happened to California was, A, people paid the highest taxes in the sense of gas taxes, income taxes, fourth highest sales taxes. Their assessments were very high, so even the 1% made they were paying among the highest property taxes. They were willing to do that for the beauty of the state and the history of what it was a can-do place. And then they looked at the school test scores, 45th in the country, infrastructure 49th, highest property crime rate in the United States in San Francisco. And they said, for all that money, we get very little. It's not worth looking at the beach at Montecito. Uh, We don't really – I can – climb another mountain. It doesn't have to be, you know, half dome. And so there's other beaches besides Santa Cruz beach. So they just said, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. And 10 million of them left in the last 30 years. Then second, there was $9 trillion of market capitalization between San Jose and San Francisco. So you have Oracle, Facebook, Twitter, Google, et cetera. And so there was never that type of wealth in history. And those people are very political. And all of those, what that did is it changed radically the nexus of politics. So we went from Los Angeles that had conservative politicians. And we mentioned that in one of the podcasts, the people who on the national level, Jack, not the local level, came from that Silicon Valley money, Bay Area, Nancy Pelosi, Dianne Feinstein, Jerry Brown. Gavin Newsom, uh, Barbara Boxer, uh, Kamala Harris. They all came out of that nexus, and they were all backed by Silicon Valley people. Silicon Valley also became the dumping ground. It's like it's like Lockheed and General Dynamics for the Pentagon. It's the landing pad for all of those left-wing apparatchiks. It's where the FBI, uh, James Baker, we've talked about. Gets $250,000 as FBI general counsel. Then he hires, they're hiring Twitter at $3 million to censor or suppress information. And he ends up as what? General counsel of the old Twitter at $8 million. So that money and and the activism in Sam Bankman Fried, again, uh, the only reason I know him well, I hear the paparazzi helicopters. He lives about a mile from my apartment although I, I should say he did. Now he's behind bars. for trying to tamper with witnesses from the Stanford campus. I got to be careful because I've been accused of Stanford bashing. But his pre- parents were both Stanford professors. And while they protested vehemently their innocence, one was a bundler of dark money in Silicon Valley as a law professor. The other, of course, is now under some accusation, formal or not, about transferring properties and stuff from his ill-gotten gains of his son. And so what I'm getting at is that Silicon Valley is very powerful, and that kind of money goes to the left. And then when you got rid of 8 to 10 million middle-class people, then you replace them by having an open border. So you had some of the poorest people in the world coming from Oaxaca, Chiapas, the lower part of Yucatan, unlike earlier immigration where people were coming from northern Mexico, many people were indigenous. They needed enormous entitlement help, and so we we have right now fifty four percent of all births in California are medi Medicaid. And anybody goes into a uh, as I had just done about three months ago. If, if you go into an emergency room, there are no. I mean, everybody there's primary language is Spanish. And so that was a radical change that required enormous help by the federal government at the time where we lost any confidence as a host. So we were unable to acculturate, inter- intermarry, inter-assimilate this new population. So one, two, three, the, the voters who voted for Reagan and Dick Mays and Wilson, they're gone. They're gone. They left. And the new voters came to replace them and they're not yet conservative. They may, the, the Mexican American and, and Latino population, they may become conservative. We always say they will, but it's been a little slower development than everybody had hoped. And then you have the Silicon Valley corridor of where the money is. And we have all these universities, you know, Stanford, Caltech, Berkeley, nine UC campuses, 23 state campuses. You add it all together, and I, I think he's right. I don't see how you're going to change the state until it, it it becomes dysfunctional. And I think we're getting close to that. San Francisco is a pre-civilizational place. The streets of uh, medieval London, I would imagine, they clean the defecation up every morning more than they do in San Francisco. Yeah.
0: you. I just want to I encourage our listeners. You just wrote a four-part series on... On the death of San Francisco. I did. Yeah.
2: I just went to San Francisco. i never seen anything like it. I have all these beautiful new buildings that were built in the boom era,
0: mm-hmm. say,
2: from 2005 to 2020. They're 30% empty. And if I said I was, I went to San, you, nobody would believe this. You've said, oh, I'm going to go to San Francisco and I'm going to go to a meeting in a building and they're going to have a pressure washer right in front of us. They have to walk around this. That's washing off human excrement from the sidewalk. You wouldn't believe it, but that's yeah. exactly what was happening. And the question is, think about it. This very sophisticated society is finding every business about their waste, uh, effluval, and it has to be perfect this and perfect that and their, and their, their city waste treatment. And they're just, right. they're just pressure washing this stuff every day into the storm drain the rainwater drain, and you can see it when you fly over it. There's a flume coming out, and it's a pre-civilizational society. So when you go by, people yell at you, scream at you, and Mm -hmm. you can see people. I shouldn't say you can see. You can not help but see people urinate, defecate, inject, fornicate, anything. Right. And the drugs are, are weird. They're not like marijuana or hashish. There are drugs that turn people into walking zombies. Zombies, yeah. Or and I shouldn't say walking all the time. People laying down with a crack pipe, Hunter Biden style, you know. And but, but it's victory. It's Go ahead. it's scary. Sorry. It's it's yeah. I've never seen a society commit collective suicide yeah. so quickly. I mean, quickly. It was 2018. It was a beautiful city.
0: Oh dang! I remember you know, going there twice, three times a year for na- 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 national related things. Or Absolutely. Peter McGowan, a great man, our friend who used uh, on the Giants, so yes. visit with him. And uh, it was a no- it was nice to go. There it was a long. I can long, remember
2: going to was... a national. I used to speak for National Review Institute. I would stay at the Hyatt, I guess it was, yeah. and I would walk it was a mile. Uh, over there, I guess it was to sort of the city hall or whatever that lecture hall was. And I came back at night at eleven o'clock by myself. Right. It was perfectly every. It was lighted. People were partying on the street. Yeah. it was very safe. Wasn't my kind of town, but it was very safe. Right. It, yeah. it was operating, and now it's a complete. It's been completely destroyed on every aspect of the word. Lowell High School. They ruined their meritocracy. I guess they're going to try to bring it back. They. Topple statues in Golden Gate Park left like Cervantes. They whitewashed WPA murals because they they don't have. I mean, these communist murals that we paid for, they're pretty well done. They're not diverse enough, so they washed them off. So every aspect of pre-civilizational decline is is evident from a two or three hour. My favorite as I keep saying is the different types of uh, notes on the cars are really fascinating some you know they're all they have the windows down in union right. square and some of them say nothing here or please don't break in nothing of value doors unlocked and they have these placards you know on the dashboard saying we surrender the criminal element and then there's these stories i don't know if they're urban rumors or not where <laughs> the uh, the would be thieves meet them as they get out of their cars and said, look, instead of just, you can lock up the car, but just pay me $200 or $300 and I won't break in.
0: So, so you know, a sensible, relatively sensible transaction, I guess. You could
2: sum up to why San Francisco is a city that got all their, all their wishes came true.
0: Yeah.
2: Right. Every wish they wanted came true. And... This so is this is it. the
0: end game for a sanctuary city. By the way, Victor, we looks like a, it looks like a neutron bomb
2: is what it looked like.
0: Well, it, I hate to sit here and think, oh, look at San Francisco across the nation. Look at that. And many people think that's something happening somewhere else. And But if you live in or near another major city in America, it's probably coming could come to you. So that Michael Goodwin, who, who's a Pulitzer Prize Winning uh, I've had dinner columnist. with him he's a, he's a very good guy oh he is good yeah. yeah he's got a piece in Today's New York Post I don't have it in Front of me this is uh, Sunday The on Sunday the third You should look it up folks and He's taught he talks about New York City is going To replicate San Francisco New York He was, says New York City is right behind Yeah yeah and I mean, uh, We, we had is- the wherewithal to, to Come out of the doldrums you know 30 Forty years ago, you know, with Giuliani slash Bloomberg, it doesn't have those resources now, and it's the weirdest thing. Victor, still, if you want to live there, as rent is like you know, one bedroom apartments, four or five thousand dollars, but it, I, I, the city's clearly beginning to circle a drain.
2: I was going to ask you about that. So, New York City. The rents and prices haven't gone down, It's like San Francisco, and I asked somebody that, and he says, because people retain their property, but they don't live there, and so the market is not as fluid
0: well that's that could be true I mean uh, here where I live in in Milford, not to bore our listeners too much, but it's the in the solar system commutable, and now that you have bandwidth, you know many many folks can can tolerate the not having to to take a two-hour commute into but the city. I, I,
2: I day, talked right? to a person in San Francisco that had a place. and I said, "Why don't you just sell it?" And he kind of got teary-eyed and said that we hope for a day when the madness will stop. Well, and they'll re- return, it's kind of well, sad.
0: I think that's that could be a mindset for New Yorkers. Yeah, I mean, but they but have York, ca- they have they have cash that they can buy something that's relatively there, reasonable within the solar system. I was there so a year ago. I'd say it's a, at least two years
2: behind San Francisco. You know, was, uh, uh, yeah. the sidewalks are still crowded. There's still some. It's it's clearly a decline. First time I ever went there was 1971. I was 18. I went to Yale's intensive Greek program. That was one of right. the dumbest things I did because I was <laughs> taking Greek and Latin, and I ended up with all graduate school students in their 20s and 30s. And I was 18. I'd never been out of Fresno County mm-hmm. anyway. I flew there and I took the train uh, to Times Square in 1971.
0: Oh, what a hellhole that was. Then. Wow, yeah.
2: yeah. It yeah. was crazy. People coming up to you and soliciting and everything. But it's going to be that way again. And yeah. Uh, funny about you so. nature. I mean, the, the same cast of characters are always there. It's just that there's something called deterrence. So they don't come out of the woodwork because they feel in a cost-benefit analysis, it's not worth staying, you know, six months in jail or a year or two. For hitting somebody over the head with a bar, but they're capable and they want to do it all the time. But it's, it's just the, the thin veneer of civilization keeps them suppressed. And then when you have these very wealthy or pampered activists who say, oh, human nature is malleable. They listen to our lectures on diversity, equity, inclusion, right. and they become very wonderful people. So we have to take the civilization will veneer off. Sort of like Rousseau, every man was born into change, and just take the chains off, and then we have n- human nature in the raw, and it's so wonderful. And then all of a sudden, they start beating up and killing people, and they don't know what to do.
0: Yeah, well, the people who gave us it this. is a sanctuary. It is a sanctuary city. It's the voters uh, voted for these sanctuary city. Crack, every sanctuary crackpot. city is.
2: Every sanctuary city that a Texas or Arizona governor or mayor has sent, what they wanted, right? Illegal alien. Right. Thank you for sending them. We love Pedro and we love Juan and Maria. And you know what? We don't have enough uh, landscape jobs and nanny jobs for them. So they're going to be there. We just want them so much. But because we're a sanctuary city, but they're going to have to leave tomorrow morning on a really nice bus. Yeah, and that's that's what they do. And Martha's Vineyard
0: did that. And they got them out of Dodge there. <laughs> <laughs> that was the weirdest thing in the world. And they all
2: they all bought little sleeping bags, and they bought food, and they had like used, as I said, North Face jackets and all these nice designer clothes, and they bought them to the little illegal alien center, <laughs> and they said, "See ya." Wouldn't want to be you,
0: Yeah. <laughs> Get out well, of Dodge
2: in 24 hours.
0: <laughs> well, Victor, we have uh, we're doing a little truncated uh, uh, episodes uh, or editions of the, of this week, given your that you were up at uh, Hillsdale and you have some duties to perform there. Yes. So uh, they've taken the time, but we're gonna we're gonna come back. Maybe we'll we'll take one last get your views on one last thing yeah, no, about yeah. the, maybe Bidenomics and uh, the news about Americans how, how they're increasingly living paycheck to paycheck and we'll we'll do that right after this final important message
1: man that sunset is gorgeous grill patio sunset hard to get better than that unless you're browsing carvana's inventory while you soak it all in oh burger time so sit back get comfortable carvana's got thousands of cars under twenty thousand dollars just waiting for you i could stay here forever Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday
0: afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai,
1: there's joy in every journey.
0: We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Before we get to that last topic, I'd like to encourage our listeners to visit the Blade of Perseus. That's Victor's official website. You'll find its web address is victorhanson.com. Go there. You'll find the archives to these podcasts, to Victor's other appearances. their links galore. His American Greatness pieces and his syndicated columns. You'll find those links. Uh, but then you'll find Ultra Articles and you will click on them and you will not be able to access them. And well, why? Because you need to subscribe. Five dollars gets you in the door. It's fifty dollars for the for the year. Victor writes uh, about three times a week um, ultra pieces. So if you're a fan of Victor's writing and I have to believe you are, then you really should subscribe uh, on on an annual basis. There's an awful lot of uh, exclusive material that Victor.
2: I have a a series that's on the website about the hard men of the American outback.
0: The strange and dangerous people. Yeah, Strange (laughs) and dangerous
2: people. I'm a little worried how people are going to react to it, because when I grew up, we were free range and we had Manuel George and Joe Kerry, a Cherokee Indian guy and a guy that was half Portuguese and half uh, Mexican-American. And they were like our surrogate parents, um, the hired men. So, when I was five and six, as I've written about. But when they retired, I got a little older. It was very hard. My grandfather got very elderly, and we hired a cast of characters. I'll start out with Bert.
1: Bert. (laughs) Yeah,
2: well. (laughs) The first thing he said to me was pornographic. Uh, The last uh, thing he said to me was pornographic before we fired him. And he was a strong, and the scary thing about him was the first thing I saw him do was take an eight foot iron beam, or I should say pike, to pull out a uh, a walnut tree root to pry it out. He bent it. He was so strong. Oh, my he gosh. Scared. And then I talk about Larry Hilario. And uh, the first thing he, but not the first thing, the week, he was the next hired man. He said, by the way, before I say, it, you know, I want to tell you right now, I killed a guy in Brownsville, Texas. Just shot him. So be careful with me. Oh, my
0: gosh. <laughs> How old are you at the time? He's telling us to what, a 13-year-old kid?
2: Yeah. <laughs> and then the next people were, I use pseudonyms were the Ramirez's. They lived right next to us. And uh, they began robbing every house in the, on the farm, including my, and they took my grandmother's, she was a champion speaker for women Christian Temperance shooting. They stole her diamond ring. So that was the next group. They, he got killed. And then. I talk about these, the hard men, and it was very uh, the type of people you meet in farm work or farm labor. And and so it was a very good education. But I had been kind of pampered. We all have because we had these benevolent hired men that sort of were parents. And when we would ride our bikes or run around the ranch, they would encounter us and they Help us work or teach you how to drive a tractor. Then, when they left, we got caught. People, my grandfather got very Did They
0: live with you too, Victor? Were they They living on the the ranch? Yeah, right next
2: to us. (laughs) In fact, I would, the the third family that were criminal, I'd come home from school and they would be in the house. And that was really scary. You'd come home and there were six or five or six of them in the house. And then I finally talk about the Klan. And these are people when I was an adult. I was 24. My grandmother was 93. And my parents were working and this family came in and asked to take care of my grandmother. And they were like the suitors in the 22nd book, 24th book of the Odyssey. They took over the house. I mean it. I mean, they moved a drug dealer in. Uh, They they lived upstairs. There was no bathroom. So I came in from college uh, and a guy was urinating off the balcony. They carved their initials and, and they ran up. They had the gas key. They were taking all the gas and food. And, uh, you know, but my parents were at work. And so one day I just lost, I was out there for a supposed summer to help clean up everything. The house was falling apart that I live in. And uh, I lost my temper and I fired all six of them. And then I sat down really happy. Then it dawned on me you have a 93 year <laughs> old incontinent Alzheimer's grandmother now that it's your sole responsibility. Yeah. Wow. To cook and to watch her and to clean and to fix his house. So I never quite got back into academia for five years. But my point was, it was really kind of scary. And then when you how do you fire someone who's taken? And and the older one, I called him mad dog because he would get really angry and start yelling at you. He said to me, you know, in Mexico, when a person leaves the house, it's up for grabs. If you just leave and go to the United States, people take it. So your grandfather died and they ask us to take care of your grandmother and your parents are gone. So I think it's our house. Dang.
0: Do you it's, think that's, I mean, not to give the devil his due, but do you think that is a kind of a cultural mindset? Yeah, it is. Oh. It is. Well, <laughs> partly
2: because of the cartel. All right. But. That is a card there are no property rights in Mexico and rural Mexico from what I can tell from people here i have i have at least ten people I know very well they get in their pickup, they go back to their old home, and somebody's living in it, yeah. and they can't get them out without hiring somebody yeah, and the wow. only way I could get them out was to act crazier than they were
0: right and if they but that's this is not just some Mexican thing too. Elsewhere in America, this rise in squatters and then the
1: seeming ability to get no, there's squatters out of your everywhere. House, Santa
2: know? Cruz they can't get them out. But this was pre-squatting area era. Wow. But they were kind of pioneers in squatting, and wow. they had you know they would call my mom up and say, "We need food, so we have to have a account at the local to feed your grandma, your mother, and then we have to have gas to get to work and I, I came in one day and there were six cars lined up as if it was a filling station, <laughs> oh, and so I said, "No, no, 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 no." And then I lost it.
0: No, I, I'd, I'd, i I'd, uh, I'd love to see. No, I really would not love to see it, but it'd be interesting to see Victor. On I was twenty, having lost it. That would... I just had dinner with
2: a guy yet uh, last night said he liked our podcast because he felt that he had been a loser for a while. And he thought that I had been a loser for a while, too. And I had had been redeemed. But I felt like a loser. I had a Ph.D. from Stanford and I couldn't get a job. So I was farming with, you know, six dollars an hour for piecework. And I did that for five years. And it was pretty wild country. And when they wouldn't leave, you, you you had to forcibly get them out.
1: Yeah,
2: and somebody's going to say, "Well, you could have called the sheriff." No, you can't call the sheriff; they don't do anything. No. No. So,
0: anyway, well, that's that's part of the ultra series that that you write for victorhanson.com. So this is a long, in a way, a long commercial. But it's just a question of what
2: that, you yeah. want to do. You know, that's a, an existential question. So if somebody comes to your property and throws a box of used diapers, a car seat. Uh, a hot water heater, uh, a dead puppy, all in a big pile, and you call the sheriff, they're not going to do anything. Even if you find a phone bill, usually they're pretty careful. Mm -hmm. But what do you do with that? You have two choices, just ignore it, pick it up and put it in the bin. I usually do that. Or you find the address and then you put it all in and you take it over and dump it on their lawn. And that gets interesting. I've done that once or twice. Because I I learned there's a whole subterranean California culture of local people going around to off the books, homes of people who are here illegally collecting their trash and they don't go to the county dump. Right. They go out. They go to Victor's farm. They go to places out in the country and they dump it. And then once it dumps. It's kind of organic. You have a choice. You can either be self-righteous and say, I'm not going to pick this up. This is not right. I'm not going to enable these people. But if it starts to grow like Mount Trashmore, we call them, (laughs) if they start growing, then the word gets out and it becomes force multiplying. So everybody comes out. Oh, they don't care. We'll just do it. Yeah. So it, it's like mowing the lawn. You have to do it all the time.
0: Right. No trash attracts trash. So. Yeah, I was
2: so. not too long ago. I was walking out there and I turned the corner and there was a semi truck.
0: parked oh in God. the
2: orchard. Along with a refrigerator.
0: Oh, but, oh really? Out, oh, God. Oh, my.
2: Yeah. I, I, I complain about it. the refrigerator. It's pretty heavy, too.
0: Yeah. I, I need to haul it somewhere. All right, Victor. We have got time quickly yes, one, now. We'll, if you quick know, we'll, one, take, we'll one, take a break. Yeah. Well, well, we've had um, we've we've been hearing this week, this past week. Joe Biden's out there when he's not on vacation. He's uh, talk, bra- he's bragging about Bi- the success of Bidenomics. Uh, some you know, um, um, jobs report came out a few days ago. Okay, America's adding jobs, not uh, losing them. Although often these numbers are radically revised down uh, two or three months afterwards anyway victor oh it's glory times in america right According yeah to G- if he's gonna come if he's
2: going to campaign on the wonders of biden almost he should just say this look when i came into office the inflation rate was 1.9 it was just too low so i did what i could and you got to give me credit i got it up to nine percent for six months i'm not doing too well now it's going back to five or six but if you average it over the Two and a half years on staples, you, I at least got staple foods, gas, natural gas, heating. I got it up 16%. That was pretty good. I didn't have a lot of time, but I did do that. And then I managed to take 2.9 mortgages on 30 year mortgages. I didn't quite triple them, but I got pretty, I, I did double them and they're up at seven. So give me credit at that. And I spent I borrowed six trillion dollars and printed it. That was pretty good, too. I only I did that in two and a half years. Trump, it took him four, but I matched him in two and a half. And uh, I'm trying my best. That's what he he should say. He was going to campaign on Bidenomics.
0: Well, here's here's the people who are hearing this. And those are those people hearing this are Americans. And here's a poll that came out the other day. Lending Club conducted a survey of. Of, uh, of roughly 3,500 Americans, it says two thirds, uh, almost two thirds, 61% admit living paycheck to paycheck. Those earning uh, less than um, were pre- those earning less were predictably hit hardest by the rising costs, interest rates, and inflation over the last year. A staggering. 78% of those earning less than 50,000 per year as well as 65% of those earning between 50 and 100,000 a year admit to living paycheck to paycheck both up uh in comparison to 2022 and one last thing here Victor 70% of Americans are stressed by their finances 45% of Americans were found to have only 45%, I should say, were found to have emergency savings, with 26% of those admitting that they have less than $5,000 saved for emergencies. So... I guess everything, not everything, it can depend where you live, but if you're earning, you and your wife are working together and you're earning $100,000 a year, which is far over the average of most Americans, and you are still living paycheck to paycheck, it doesn't sound like something to uh, brag about the economic conditions in America brought to you by Joe Biden. There's a lot of people living on the edge here, Victor. And I, I imagine in in a, in various stages of of anxiety about their economic fate. So,
2: I, I think there are. I I talked to a variety of people uh, the last two or three weeks in all walks of life. I I bought a new automobile and I talked to a sales manager, a salesman. I talked to the checker at the food market. I talked to a woman at the bank, and they all. Say that under Donald Trump, these are all people who would be a traditionally democratic profile. They wish that that economy or he was back because they can't afford the things that have come to us under Joe Biden. And, uh, I, I mentioned before when you buy a ribeye steak at the market I go to, it's like a petting zoo. People look at you. And so I bought one the other day. It was $24. It was about, uh, Less than a pound. And a guy came up to me and he said, wow, do you think you're better than everybody? How did you buy that? And then I looked at his two cases of Coke. And I said, well, those cases of Coke are on sale, I think, for $17. So you've spent $34 on 48 Cokes. What were they two years? Oh, yeah, they were expensive. I said, I couldn't afford that much sugar. But the point is, everything is up. Everything is up and nobody, nobody's buying steaks or there are, I guess they won't cut out buying ice cream and Coke, but they have cut back on quality meats and vegetables and fruits because they don't have any money and use. I get frustrated, but I wanted to buy uh, an automobile and uh, I went into the finance and it should have been out, but I waited two hours. Because some poor woman, I mean, they had to come up with creative finance. He had four kids and they were trying to get themselves into a station wagon. And the, the salesman was really good guy. So it was a finance officer. I didn't mind waiting. They just said, we do what it takes to get them into a car. Yeah. And the used car market is just, I had a 2006 Tundra that I paid $32,000. And somebody came up to me in the parking lot and said, I'll pay you $18,000 for that. And so the used car, in a weird way, a car that's about one or two years old that's used, if it just has a $4,000 discount from a new one, uh, it'll sell. People just don't have that money anymore. They don't have it, even though they're or they had it and they spent it under this inflationary drunken spending by Joe Biden. He's done so much damage. That's why I really get angry at him when he goes out there and he mumbles and he slurs and he talks about Bidenomics. Then he goes to one of his three homes and we can, we've talked about how he got his three homes on a senator's and vice president's salary. He doesn't really care about people, whether it's looking no. at his watch when people are, have died and the parents are grieving or he tries to upstage mothers in Afghan. Uh, Killed in Afghanistan by lying about his son being wound uh, dying in Iraq, or that Bidenomics really is a great thing after it's destroyed a lot of families. That's something that I don't think we've ever come to terms to that this guy is not a nice person. He wasn't a nice person before he got in. He was a blowhard, pathological liar, a plagiarist, and now with this senility that in a weary. Orwellian sense, that's a veneer that exempts him from criticism because people say, oh, he's just senile. He's just old Joe. He's a nice guy. He's not. He's the veneer of his self-control has been rubbed off and you're seeing him in the raw now and it's not very pretty.
0: Right. I I still, we made fun of him as because of the, all the. The criminality as the Corleones, Everything but can. I, but I, I yeah. do think there is a deeper essence of of the Corleones. He's a very selfish person. Yeah. He
2: thinks he can get right into the, the physical space. Well, when he has these young girls, he gets right next to them. That one on the tarmac, I keep mentioning that he nibbled on her neck or tried yeah. to, and he blows in their hair as if they they would like they enjoy that. He's yeah. such an egocentric narcissist. And he talks about these people have lost everything in Hawaii. And he talks about losing his cat and his carver from a minor kitchen fire. Gosh. So he's he's a reprehensible person. And unfortunately, he's our reprehensible person.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: So anyway, I all don't right. want to keep clubbing him, but we've got all of you out there. If you're listening, no. I'm trying to describe Joe Biden and the raw because his policies and his leaderships are not to be recommended. And that will be we're going to have a podcast. We're going to say, what do you do about it? Because a lot of people have asked us. And unfortunately, the Republicans have their own problems, not as existential or great as the Democrats, I think. But they still have a lot of problems by uniting behind a candidate and then winning. And if they don't win, we're in big trouble. So all you people out there say, I'm not going to vote for this candidate if he doesn't get the nomination or not. You will, because this choice that's coming up is going to be a stark one.
0: Four more years or five of this guy. Yeah. Well, Victor, um, we're going to wrap it up. I I do want to thank our listeners. I want to also thank some of you who write me because you subscribe to Civil Thoughts, the free weekly email newsletter that I write for the Center for Civil Society at American Philanthropic, now Amphil. Thank you, Civil Thoughts. There's a dozen-plus recommended readings. Here's a link. Here's an excerpt of important pieces. I think they're important or interesting. I've come across previous week. I share them. There's nothing transactional about this. There's no risk. So sign up, civilthoughts.com. And again, Victor Hansen.com. Go there. Victor, you just mentioned... Uh, some of the lies of, of Joe Biden or the or the, the the crassness to the gold star families, and that'll be one of the. Uh, I have to, I have to, uh, let me read a comical comment first, and then get the comical comment that we find from uh, kindly left at iTunes or Apple, which you can leave comments there, and we read them, and you can rate the show zero to five stars. And Victor has a four point nine plus average there, so thanks, folks, who do that. But this one is titled. Victor Davis, handsome, quote, if Victor ever wanted a pseudonym for collecting bribes from Ukraine, there you go. All the best. It's signed Carlos Danger. And this is Alan of Los Angeles. Actually, there is a Victor David handsome on uh, on Twitter. And he, he he he's a big fan. He tweets a lot about you. Sometimes I engage with him a little bit. But anyway, thank you, uh, Alan, Los Angeles, for that pithy little thought. Uh, oh, also, there was one called, from uh, Buck the Iguana who left this comment. <laughs> it's titled La Mer. And that's uh, Charles Chennault was the French singer. Yes, Charles you... Chennault, La Mer. Yeah. yeah, we talked about that. We want to put that song on. I think it's going to, you're going to have to pay royalty I will, fees. I will have that. to pay
2: royalties just yeah. because the uh, Tinker told you <laughs> Tinker <laughs> Taylor soldier spy when they're all getting their retribution or they're just desserts that that's the background. song.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm sure they paid, uh, paid the channel of the state. Yes, oh, plenty of over that. They did. Okay. Here's a comment though from left on your web on your website, Victor. It's from Linda and, uh, Linda writes, I, too, am a bereaved parent, and it is despicable as Biden actually takes advantage and changes circumstances of his experience of loss. There are no words. This man is soulless. Thank you. That's Victor, a very good point. Yeah, for people, the election. He is soulless.
2: Yeah, he, yeah. He, the, 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 he not just tries to hijack these commemorations and then outdo his own tragedy, but he makes it up. They're fantasies. Bo Biden didn't die in Iraq. He yeah. died of a tragically of a brain tumor in the United States. Then he said that he's changed the story so many times. He died of a burn pit. We don't know that. Right. We don't know that. And uh he he always alters the story and about everything. And he's never and the funny thing is, we he's coming off a of media that had a whole section on Donald Trump's lies, the Washington Post. I right. think they said the there was a lie. Democracy dies
0: in darkness, right? Yeah, yeah, a lie every
2: 14 minutes of his presidency, they told us. They right. completely dropped that because yeah. Donald Trump told was exaggerating. He didn't make up, he didn't say that he lost a member of his family or he didn't do stuff like that.
0: Yeah, there's uh, actually, we shouldn't get into this, but there's this is Washington Post correspondent, Phil Bump, who was I on some that. podcast. You you see that? And he's like, like they will not. They, it, Joe Biden could say he was m- murdered by Lee Harvey Oswald. No,
2: they asked Philip Bunk- and they will not report point, point blank, did you read the laptop? Did it not say that Hunter Biden did? Did he not say that he gave he had to give half his income to Joe? Did he? Well, I don't know. Maybe. Oh, I didn't know. Or Sort of. Yeah. No, they will not admit it because it's not for them. It's a religious experience. Right. Just like Russian collusion and laptop disinformation and the first impeachment, they're all religious experience. They require faith of a devoted.
1: Yeah. A yeah devotee we're, and they're not they're
2: never, not, they're, so never well. they're never going to be apostates
0: anyway. Well, OK. Linda also said that she remembers you in her daily prayers. So that's wonderful. Thank you, Linda. Thanks, Thank you, everyone. Linda. who I appreciate uh, that very much. Yeah. Everyone who comments and listens, thanks. Spread the word. Uh, share the share the show. Go to victorhanson.com. Thanks, Victor. Happy birthday, Victor. Thank you. I appreciate uh, that. Uh, we'll be back I, soon. I, I'm turning
2: but, 60, so I don't
0: know what it's, it's like. <laughs> well, if you were Joe Biden, you'd be you'd be 30. You could just yeah, say Joe Biden. You, right? well, th- okay. Thanks, everyone. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Victor Davis Hanson show.